I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome everyone once again to another episode of Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It's September 25th, and I've got a great show for you this week. I've actually got a couple bullets here of news. First of all, at the very top of the show, uh, every week, I have a saying, a, a phrase from Rocky Horror Picture Show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. And every episode so far, I've had a new person give me that line, deliver it. I actually have a lot more of those lines read than I've used. But what I would like to do is reach out to the audience. And if you would like to give me that line, give me a call on my Google Voice account. No one's going to answer the phone or anything. It'll automatically go to a voicemail and just give me that line. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. If you do that... I'm going to enter you into Nine Cents' first contest. The other way you're going to get into this contest is by submitting an original Greater Magic question. Now, Gyps Fulvis has been gracious enough to donate two of his albums, two copies of his album, to the show, and I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to hold a little contest here. And I will randomly choose winners at the end of October when the Greater Magic episode airs. So, send me your Greater Magic questions, anything you want to know. I've actually gotten some really good ones so far. There's always room for more. I want you to be a part of this. And certainly, with a chance to win an album from Gyps Fulvis, it's got to be worth it on your part. What is it, like two minutes to do? So, send me your Greater Magic questions or call in with your intro to the show. If you win, I'm not only going to play that, I'm going to send you the album, and uh, you're going to be a part of Nine Cents History. (laughs) Okay, so this past week has been an amazing one for me. Not only was it the Equinox on Friday, which was fantastic, I was actually a little disappointed. Early on in, in past episodes, recent past episodes, I've mentioned that I was going to be getting together with a couple other like minded individuals to perform this ritual. That didn't end up panning out. Real life tends to get in the way. And no matter, you know, what plans you have, when real life strikes, you have to respond. So it ended up being just me. But for something like a compassion ritual, which was the center of what I was doing, I think in the long run it ended up being better that way. Um, and it was an amazing ritual. I, for the first time, used the cloak that my good friend had uh, created for me. And it is an amazing, amazing cloak. I've posted pictures pretty much everywhere, so if you're connecting with me in any social networking, you'll be able to see it for sure. The time that she took, she took great care in putting this cloak together. I think it looks amazing. Uh, so if anyone has seen the pictures or would like to see the pictures, please go to any of the social networking sites that I'm a part of. 
but you can also email castleenchantments at live.com. Uh, she's more than willing to help customize a cloak for anyone else. In in looking and thinking about this, um, I was I was looking online for some really custom designers of cloaks, and I could only find one that was custom. Everything else was really costume oriented and stuff. And I thought, well, why the hell am I doing this? I know a lot of really amazing uh, seamstresses. Uh, one of them was a little bit too busy. One of them lived a little too far away for the time frame that I needed it done. Um, this one was just amazing. Uh, she did an amazing job on it. Uh, the craft craftsmanship was top notch, and it ended up looking a lot better than I had hoped. I was afraid it was going to be really kind of costumey, like you see in a lot of online sites um, or on eBay, for example. And it's not at all. Uh, it's very much customized to me, and uh, you know that's what's important in, in something like this. I mean, a ritual cloak is certainly not required for any ritual. Uh, you can substitute black clothing or, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But it does really put you in, in that sort of mood, you know, in that place when you're performing it uh, that you want to be in mentally. Uh, and at least it did for me. And the ritual was fantastic. I had a really great time. And I think in part because of this cloak and uh, the the care that was taken in creating it. Uh, so anyway, enough about that. Like I mentioned at the top, I do have a really great show for you. In The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to be talking about raising satanic children, what that means and the stigma attached with it, uh, you know, perceptions of others and all that. In The Infernal Informant, I'm going to be talking about two articles, yet again, <laughs> and tradition forces girls into prostitution and how parents can deal with having a favorite child. And in Creature Feature, I've got Metal Breakfast Radio. I talked to Dave and Donovan a while ago, and am just now getting a chance to air it on the show. Uh, these two gentlemen are amazing. They have a fantastic back and forth, and it was a lot of fun, though at times I think a little bit awkward talking with them. You know, they're so comfortable um, with their repertoire and their uh, patterns and uh, everything. When I came into this interview, I was—I uh, I think I was maybe trying a little bit too hard. And it, I think it's going to show in the interview a little bit. Uh, either way, it was really great talking with them. And I think I'm going to throw in a Bizarre of the Bizarre. <laughs> it's, uh, again, a little bit adult in nature, so uh, stick around for that. Let's go ahead and jump directly into The Devil's Advocate. In this arid wilderness of steel and stone... I'll raise up my voice that you may hear To the east and to the west I beckon To the north and to the south I show a sign proclaiming A death to the weakling Wealth to the strong Can I get a hail Satan? I said, can I get a hail Satan? We are the devil's advocates Welcome to The Devil's Advocate. As always, let me preface this segment by saying that I am a Satanist. I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. I'm often asked, once someone discovers that I'm a Satanist, whether or not my wife is also a Satanist, and whether or not my kids are Satanists. And I think it's funny, because obviously the question comes out of ignorance. Just not knowing, not understanding 
what it means to be a Satanist. But I think there's this sort of idea that, and I think maybe this is in part because you have ridiculous shows like Wife Swap, where they have these, I guess, extremes of families swapping in and out, um, really just for money and entertainment. And that absurdity that comes with, you know, the couples that are maybe associated with uh, the occult or witchcraft or something like that, well then, you know, people see stuff like that and they just sort of wash it across the board. Well, everyone that, you know, believes anything that's not Islamic, Judeo-Christian is this way. And it's unfortunate and it's truly ignorant. What I end up telling them is that to raise a child as a Satanist means not teaching them anything about being a Satanist. And that sounds sort of contrary to what one might believe, uh, but I think the reality is we arrive at being Satanists through finding ourselves in the Satanic Bible. And it's very much a rite of passage that everyone goes through. You know that you're different. You don't truly understand why you're different. You find the Satanic Bible, you read it, and you find yourself in it. That's sort of the process that the majority of Satanists go through. You don't ever want to mentor anyone into being a Satanist, because that's not what we are. You don't ever want to teach someone to be a Satanist, because they're not going to be a Satanist. The point is, you're born that way. So it's entirely possible that you're going to have children that truly are not Satanists. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's quite alright. What is important, at least in my opinion, is that you're there for your children, you help them identify for themselves who they are, you celebrate that, you help them develop a healthy but not overblown ego, and just, you know, teach them the reality of the world we live in. If they're a Satanist, they're going to come to it on their own. You know, at, at no point... I mean, you can't even join the Church of Satan until you're an adult. You know, it's just... But equally, what you don't want to do is hide who you are. So there's been many times where my son has walked in on these podcasts or on the interviews or just sits outside my door to my office and listens while I'm giving the podcast. He's at the age where he is starting to question things, and I think that it's fantastic, and I'm going to be absolutely open and honest with him about everything. What I'm not going to do is attempt to indoctrinate him into anything. You know, part of the most powerful things about being uh, an individual, truly, is seeing options and choosing for yourself what fits for you. That's important. And I'm going to do that with both of my kids, and I'm going to celebrate whatever decisions they make. I may not be happy with them, but that doesn't matter, because it's not my life. I'm just going to be there for them. And that's something that you don't really find in a Christian household, which I think is really funny. I mean, and I, I bring it back to that, because that's sort of the environment that I was raised in, and so that's my basis of comparison here. Um, in a Christian household, you're very much told, no, this is how you should think, and this is why you should think it. You are taught things on a fear-based standard. And I just, I'm not comfortable with that. I would rather my kids 
have the balls to talk back to me when I'm talking shit to them. I want them to call me on my bullshit and on my bluffs. I think that's important. Now, equally important is respect and to teach them that and the strength to stand up for themselves can at times be tricky and frustrating. But that's part of the joy of being a parent and raising children. And that's really what I wanted to talk about more than anything else, was that we have to understand that these children are our future, but they may not be Satanists. They may not be born that way. It's not a hereditary thing, you know? it's, It's in the core of who we are as human beings, but I don't think it's always exhibited. I don't think I don't think everyone has the capacity for it. And I'm okay with that. I actually kind of prefer it that way. So just keep in mind that if you hear so just keep in mind that the most important thing from one parent uh to anyone out there is love, express that love and support your children in whatever they're interested in. That's the most important thing. And teach them to be strong powerful, willful individuals that question all things. That's a very important thing. And above everything else, allow them the opportunity to learn about not only Satanism, but anything else they may be interested in, and step back, step back, and just let them travel that road on their own. And I think that's the hardest thing to do as a parent, and it certainly is for me. But I also think it's one of the most important. We tend to feel like we have an ownership over our children. And though we are here to ensure they make choices that do not garner them harm on a long-term scale, we have to be able to allow them to get hurt along the way. Those are the lessons that are going to mean the most to them. When they make decisions and they find out the consequences... So that's really what I wanted to speak to it. Um, let's go ahead and move on into the Infernal Informant. Warriors of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, all in the Infernal Informant. The first article I'm going to be reading to you is Tradition Forces Girls into Prostitution. This was posted on CNN, September 21st, 2011. Editors note, In some Indian villages, girls are sent into prostitution by their families, a tradition that began as a religious obligation, but is now continued for money. In Trapped by Tradition, which airs Saturday and Sunday on CNN International, Slumdog Millionaire star Anil Kapoor shows how Indian charities are trying to stop the tradition. CNN has changed Priya and Pooja's names. Baharatpur, District, India. She's around 13 years old. She goes to school, loves to sing and dance, and between giggles, she says she dreams of being an actress one day. Pooja hardly looks like a fighter, but beneath her smiling face is a steely resolve. She's the first girl in her family to go to school and is determined to finish it. Very few girls in her community have done that. Pooja's mother wasn't given that chance. Priya, now in her late 30s, was forced into prostitution when she was a young girl. Stories like this are common in the 
Bharatpur district in Rajasthan state in western India. I think I butchered that name. Where the girls are sold to brothels once they hit puberty. Locals mark the rite of passage with a coming-of-age ceremony called Nathni Utarna, which translates as taking off the nose ring. That signifies a girl is ready to be sent into the sex trade, that she's considered ready to sleep with her first client. Plan India, a charity working in the village to wipe out the tradition, says these ceremonies were once common, but now it's getting harder to find families to admit they held one. Ask Anil Kapoor your question. An Indian film star, Anil Kapoor, as a patron of Plan India, said, A lot of the rehabilitated women are ensuring that the girls from their families don't get thrown into the practice. It's a small step, but one in the right direction. Changing the mindset of the people in the village is key. Now that the women themselves are taking a stand against prostitution, I am hopeful, optimistic, we can end this tradition. He took a CNN Freedom Project crew to the village in Bharatpur district where Pooja shows us the progress. Often, young girls are pushed into the sex business by their own fathers and brothers. The men see nothing wrong with it. They say it is a tradition that has been passed down through generations. It began with the Devdasi culture. Devdasi means servant of God. Under the Devdasi system, girls were dedicated to a life of sex work in the name of religion. Initially, they would serve upper-class men in the local community. The girls would entertain princes and landlords with song and dance. Gradually, this gave way to a life of prostitution. Many women, like Priya, end up in the red-light districts of India's major cities. Money is key. In the sleeping village, some residents make money from farming, and others are daily wage laborers. But there is very little money. It's an area of extreme poverty, so sending a daughter into the sex business is seen as a way for parents to unburden themselves of a child, and it's lucrative. A former prostitute told CNN she would earn as much as $20 a day working in New Delhi's red light district. It's a lot of money for families in the area, many whom live on less than a dollar a day. Priya works in a New Delhi brothel. She lives there for a few months, earns handsomely, and then returns to her village for a few weeks to spend time with her family. She says she continues to work as a prostitute because she does not want her children to follow in her footsteps. What we did, we don't want our children to do that, says Priya. It should not happen to anyone. Plan India and its local partner, Graham, I'm going to butcher this too, Neojan Kendra, are bringing change to Priya's village and she wants Pooja to benefit from that. Officials at the charities say that they are making inroads, that the practice of sending girls into prostitution is gradually declining. Plan India has recently opened four new schools in the area, and they are full of students. It's difficult to get women who are already in the sex trade to quit because they get used to that income, says Bagishra Dengel, Plan India's executive director. So the group focuses on preventing young children from falling into the same trap. Education is the key to change, says Dangle. They offer counseling to the women and encourage them to find other ways of earning money. In some cases, Plan India, GNK, helps them to start a small business, such helping to buy a cow, so the woman can then sell milk. Pooja said she's delighted. She's going to school. It gives her a sense of purpose and confidence. 
When Kapoor and CNN visited her village, it was Pooja who showed us around. She proudly took us on tour of the schools in the area, small bright classrooms that were packed with students and bursting with hope. For Pooja, the hope is she won't get trapped by tradition and is able to realize her dreams to finish school and to make her mother proud. That's the end of the article. And, and there's a couple things I want to talk about here because... Uh, I think uh, one's really important and one is sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek here. All right, so the important one. I don't think... I, I don't think we can write it off as a cultural practice and still think that it's okay. Now, I understand that we live in a world where um, there is necessity... And I'm I'm not I'm not even gonna try to take a road of okaying a child going into prostitution in order to make money. I, you know, given options, I would prefer you know if we had to make options like this or choices like this, I would prefer a sweatshop to be quite honest over prostitution. I mean, this is a child, and twenty dollars a day may actually be a lot for them. I don't doubt that at all, especially when you're living on so much less than that. Uh, you know, close to a dollar a day, for example. But these are results of choices a culture makes. If you put value into something, that's what people are going to fall into. So the value is we make money as prostitutes. Men go to this... Uh, Oh, this is so disgusting. Men go to this uh, child prostitution red light district. I mean, how sick of a culture do you have to have? And, and this is really challenging because I understand that you know that that age of consent, that age of being adult, differs in cultures. And I was brought up in the United States, which says of eighteen and above is consent an adult. So, you know, that's sort of where I, <laughs> where my mind says it's okay. I understand that throughout human history, that age has been drastically lower. And in a culture such as India's, which is ancient, far beyond any um, Anglo or Western culture in comparison, to pass judgment on that, maybe a little naive, but it's something that I have, feel like I just have to do. I just don't think it's okay. And it's also easy for me to sort of, you know, point the finger and say, that's disgusting, stop, you cannot do this. But then when they are making money, it doesn't accuse the, the horrific experience that they have to go through, but they have to do something. And this leads me to a little bit of the tongue-in-cheek side of it, and it's that idea that prostitution is somehow like a bad thing. And I think it parallels with the idea of polygamy being a bad thing or not. And I think the line that you can draw in both of those situations on whether or not it's a bad thing, whether or not it's okay, is age. So, if a girl is going to be a polygamist, as long as she's an adult going into it, no problem. She's a child going into it, huge problem. Cannot be done. Do not do it. You know, that's that's where there's a serious issue. And the same goes into prostitution. This is the oldest, the oldest 
um, career out there. Prostitution. It is a way for women to, and has been a way throughout history, for women to control their lives in a very male-dominated world. Certainly in our history, not so much anymore, actually. Uh, though, you know, depending on the place, like, for example, here in India, uh, like with this article, it, it allows women the opportunity to not only take control of sex, which up to, you know, that point has always been an obligation or, or a religious duty. I mean, women are literally sold off to men in order to do that. that I mean, that, that's where marriage comes from. I mean, what do you think a dowry is? It's the dude paying the father for the child. Uh, you know, and this is the reality of the, the cultures in which we have all come from. Understanding that, prostitution is a fantastic thing because it's taking the power away from the men, it's giving it to the women and allowing them the decision-making. They say yes and no, what they'll do and what they won't do, and then they're going to fucking charge the dude, which is awesome because they never could before. And like I mentioned before, it all depends on age. So, prostitution, as long as you're a consenting adult, yes, that is absolutely okay. Prostitution for a child, hell fucking no. Disgusting, not okay. So, how about, and this is just me talking directly to India in their uh, really messed up religious traditions that have pushed these children into this terribly adult lifestyle. How about instead... You allow women to make the decision for themselves. And when I say women, I mean adults. I, I think there can be an accepted universal age. We live in a universal world now. We are no longer isolated by distance. We are completely connected through the internet. Obviously, there's places that aren't, but I mean, for the whole, India's connected. Uh, and certainly much more with cell phones than even our culture. Uh, which is amazing. So, take the children out of th that area. Let women, if they want to, have the power to do that. That way, that money is still in flux. That money is still there. M maybe we should stop relying on our children to take care of us. I mean, is it really like that where, where we, as a society, you know, they, they work until a certain age and then they have children and hope that their children are going to take care of them? I mean, if you are capable of, and, and this is going to be sounding pretty, pretty bad because I'm in a privileged lifestyle that I've created for myself here. But if you are capable of living off a dollar a day feeding children and everything and working, why can't you do that on your own? without relying on your children. Meaning, if you're making the money anyway, continue doing so. Don't stop working and demand that your children go into prostitution in order to make money and bring it home to you. And that's just disgusting, and it, it's sort of a cop-out, in my opinion. You know, especially when you rely on the Devdasi culture, uh, your servant-of-God culture, to excuse you selling your child to other men. That is disgusting and, and just, it's wrong on every level. Um, so it's easy for me to make broad, overly simplistic answers here on what should or should not be done 
when it's a much more challenging and, and, and much more complex situation than you know we can address. But it is one of those things that it's it's not okay. And it doesn't matter if your religious background says it's okay or if your cultural background says it's okay. We live in a new world that we are all a part of that is connected. It is not okay anymore. It's disgusting. And for you sick fuck guys out there who are going to these kids, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, really. You need to be locked up. This is a sickness. When I was in, and I've mentioned this story before on the show, when I was in college in my psychology class, um, the uh, instructor I had, she would, um, she, she would, I guess, counsel sex offenders, and that included some child sex offenders. And it was her firm belief that there is no cure for that because that's just what they're into. You know, like I'm into uh, beautiful buxom women. Uh, that's just, you know, that's what turns them on. So it's a sickness that we have to address as a sickness because of the cultural world we live in. Um, but there's no cure for it. You can't give them a pill and expect them to not do it anymore. So I can't look at this culture and say, hey, you should stop doing this. Just take this pill to stop. But if you are one of those guys going to this because that's what gets you off, um, well, there is something wrong with you. <laughs> And that is because we as a culture, as a world culture, have said it's wrong. So stop your fucking shenanigans, you sick bastards. Seriously. Um, and I'm trying to keep this sort of tongue-in-cheek because it really does boil my blood. You know, I, and I don't, I've, I feel like I've gone off on some of these, some of these articles a little bit too much in the past. And I don't want to do that again. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, shall we? How Parents Can Deal With Having a Favorite Child. This was posted on the 21st of September. This is actually Huffington Post. The favorite child. Quick, without thinking about it, what's your gut reaction to those three words? A. Yes, that was me growing up. Insert a knowing wink to other favorite children of the world and pat yourselves on the back. B. No, that was my sibling and I'm just getting over it. But hey, thanks for bringing that up. C. Wait, favoritism? Are you suggesting I'm doing this to my own children? I get along with one of my children a little bit better than the other, but I would never say out loud or act as though I liked something more. There's no way they know. No matter who you are in this scenario, experts say favoritism in families is very common. We all have our preferences and proclivities. We're human, and we're drawn to some people more than others. And it's not a horrible thing, says Dr. Martha Edwards, director of Ackerman Institute's Center for Developing Child and Family. Dr. Ellen Libby, who wrote The Favorite Child, argued in a blog on Huffington Post that favoritism is alive and well in every family. Parenting.com even listed favoring a child as one of its top 10 mom confessions last month, with 14% of responders were willing to admit it. And Jeffrey Kluger, author of The Sibling Effect, told Washington Post earlier this week that 99% of parents have favorites and that the other 1% is lying. Despite the common tendency for picking favorites, the subject is still taboo. When Kate, oh, I'm going to mess this up too, uh, Tietje blogged about loving her son more than her daughter for Babel last spring, several respondents attacked her and suggested she needed therapy. The comments were so harsh that Tietje 
had to write follow-up posts explaining herself. I love both my children and will love all my future children, TSJ wrote, before explaining how her daughter can be a real disciplinary challenge sometimes. This no way means that we love her less, that we spend less time with her, or that we treat her like second-class citizen. We parent her differently because she is a different child. So I'm not a perfect mom. I never will be. It's my hope that in confessing my failings, as well as constantly evaluating and striving to do better, that I can be the best mom that I can be. Chieje isn't the first to spark outrage with the confession of this nature. Most moms remember what happened when Ayelet Waldman admitted to loving her husband more than her four kids in the New York Times in 2005. Talk show hosts tore her to pieces and some incensed readers were so far went so far as threatening to report her to social services. If these reactions are any indication, many believe a mother's love for her children is supposed to be unwavering, unconditional, and equally distributed amongst her family. And yet, experts say parent-child relationships are like any others. They make up, they're made up of unique personalities and circumstances, and they're all going to work differently. Edwards explained that sometimes one child is a favorite by default. There may be two dynamics at work. One is you're more identified or attracted to one child, and the other is when you're rejecting a child. She said, According to Edwards, one reason a parent might get along with one child more than another stems from temperament. If your child is similar to you, you're more likely to feel comfortable in wanting to spend time with that child, she says. A parent might also favor one child if he or she is born after lots of trying if the child is the only girl or boy in the family, or if the child is easy to discipline. Birth order plays a role too, she said. For example, if you're a first child and your daughter is as well, you might relate to her more easily than you do a second child or a third child. Problems arise when parents don't actively deal with their favoritism and children pick up on it, experts say. Kids have an overwhelming sense of justice and they're aware when things are unjust said Carl Pillemer, a psychologist at Cornell University who has studied favoritism extensively. I'm doing interviews with hundreds of people, 70 and older, and one of the most emotional things for them after 70 or 80 years are memories of parental favoritism, he added. For people who feel that there are great differential treatments in their family, it does have lasting effects. Pillemer's studies have found higher rates of anxiety, depression, and behavioral problems in children and adolescents who perceive favoritism and those mental health consequences continue until adulthood. For example, a less favored child may become a more antisocial adult, he said. So it's natural for parents to have a favorite child, but they're doing some serious damage to their children by having one? It sounds like a bit of a lose-lose. Luckily, there are ways to give each child a lasting sense of value. Favoritism is the kind of thing that you feel, but you do not express, and you work against it, Pilmer said. Parents should recognize that they get along with one child better than the other, then work hard to treat them equally and celebrate their differences in spite of it. He said, start by losing the comparisons. Catch yourself when you say, Johnny always gets his homework down on time. Why don't you? Pilmer said. Dr. Edwards suggested making a concerted effort to think of the positive characteristics your less favorite child possesses, and to compliment him or her for those attributes. It's amazing if you can just appreciate the uniqueness of who each one is. For the moment, you can transcend some of these other things that may initially seem big, or like they get in the way. That's what kids need, to be seen and understood.
said Edwards, who suggested spending more time with one another and finding shared interests to make that more enjoyable. Pilmer said you can talk to your spouse about these issues, but that the only time it's acceptable to make public and preferential treatment to your children is when there is a compelling reason for it. For example, he said if you have a child with special needs, it's okay to pay more attention to him or her. If Johnny is learning disabled, the other kids have to understand that mom may have to spend more time with him. If Mary is a very talented figure skater, mom is going to have to spend more time with her, Pilmer said. If kids perceive that the preferential treatment is fair because of some special reason, they're less likely to have those negative consequences. Dr. Benjamin Siegel, a professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at Boston University, suggested talking to your pediatrician or to a counselor if you're struggling with favoritism. When you have two, three, or four kids, there's always going to be differences in relationships. Naturally, parents will gravitate to one child over the other, and will see that child as the better child, or think the tough child, or the challenging child, said Siegel, who suggested parents should stop thinking about these associations as favoritism. That's a misnomer. It's a setup more for conflict. It's a setup for more conflict. I'd like to frame it as relating to children differently. And it's complicated, Siegel said. It doesn't mean parents should feel guilty, and it doesn't mean that they're not effective parents. Good news for anyone who answered C on that pop quiz at the very beginning of the story. That's the article. All right, so <laughs> I'm bringing this up because I, I want to sort of address this whole raising children thing again. You know, we we have grown up in a society that demands we must pay more and more attention to um, the psychological development of each and every one of our kids. The society tells us that everything that we do is going to affect them for the rest of their lives and that you can screw up your kids royally by doing X instead of Y at X age. Does anyone remember that we have all come from parents and those parents came from parents and so on and so forth for the dawn of time and they never had any of this bullshit shoved down their throats ever <laughs> and yet the universe still exists you know our societies continue to thrive we go to such crazy extremes with with fear of treating our children poorly or fear of uh, punishing them is going to send them into some spiraling depression and they're going to end up just come on, like, realize that you do the best you can with what you have, the kids are very resilient. You're not going to ruin them. <laughs> because at one given moment, you like one kid over another. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to break your children because of that. Just understand that if you're going to have multiple kids, you have to deal with multiple personalities, and the challenges multiply accordingly. So many times you see people having kids because they feel like it's going to make their relationship better with their spouse or they're going to feel better about themselves. And these are all the wrong reasons to have kids in the first place. I mean, there was a time when the sole reason you had kids was not to propagate the species. It was so that you would have more hands working in the field so that you could exist. You can't tend an entire farm on your own in the middle of the wilderness. You need people to help you. So you would hope for a boy because they would stay in your family. And then when you got a girl, when she was of age, you'd sell her off to get money for the family. 
This is the history, and, and this is something I spoke to earlier, too. You may not like it, but that's how we have you know, continued our existence. Now, we no longer live in a world like that. We, <laughs> we don't even really live in a manufacturing-based world anymore. We're, we're much more just consumer-based with intangibles as our uh, currency and intangibles as our consumption items, so to speak. Um, and so we don't need to have 20 kids. And in fact, the only reason why people have multiple kids nowadays, I am of the firm belief, is because one, ego, and two, religion. And both of them are disgusting reasons to have more kids than you need. Now, I had two kids because I wanted a boy and a girl. I wanted a boy so that he would carry on my last name. And I wanted a girl because of ego. (laughs) I wanted that little girl to look up at me and say, Daddy. And I gotta tell you, it was the greatest experience of my life having my two kids. I would never uh, want another one. (laughs) And actually, I can't physically anymore because I've, I've been fixed. But, you know, that was the limit that my wife and I had always agreed on, too. Any more than that, you're not only creating a burden, um, an undue burden on society, in my opinion, but you're creating an unnecessary burden on yourself. You You just don't need it. So, by all means, if you want kids, have kids, you know, do your thing. But you're not going to break them for any stupid thing that you do. Just relax. Children are very resilient. They have lived (laughs) literally throughout all of human history. (laughs) So, you're not going to break them by liking one at any time more than another. It's just, it's so funny. We, We obsess about stuff like this so much as a culture. You know... If I teach my kid, or if I if I let him do this, what does it mean? Or or if they see me doing that, what does it mean? And how is it going to affect them? And are they going to be ruined? And shut up, you're not that important. I think the spread of psychiatry has opened up this world for us of fear that used to be reserved for religion. And I, I am absolutely positive that some people need to talk to psychiatrists to get shit off their chest and to work through their own individual whatevers. Um, I don't think everyone needs it, just like everyone doesn't need religion. And it is not a de facto truth. I mean, there's no formula for success. That's why people continually go for their entire lives, because in my opinion, um, they're just hopeless and they need you know someone to guide them and, and make excuses for them. Can you imagine trying to live just a hundred years ago and relying on psychiatry by as a means for self-worth? You got people literally dying of colds and you're crying about your mother not paying as much attention as you wanted when you were young. Like, give me, how pathetic can you be? That And, and what does that speak to us as a, a species that... I mean, I have family relatives that hadn't been to a doctor in 36 years. 36 years. <laughs> I, I take my kid every time they have, a, like, a flu. You know, what does that say that we're breeding as a society? We're creating these sort of weak human beings that are incapable of dealing with pain or discomfort or displeasure, and everything has to be right now, and if this is our future... If we don't, as individuals, at some point, really kind of come to terms with this and realize that we may not be doing what's best for our children, 
Um, which is kind of funny because it's a little ironic saying that I'm, <laughs> you know, don't worry, you're not going to ruin your kids, but then I'm talking about what we're doing to our kids. <laughs> uh, I think maybe doting on them too much may be hurting them. <laughs> so may, l- let me <laughs> retract my earlier statements and say, um, we aren't going to be hurting our kids or doing too much damage unless we're going to lie to them and dote on them too much. See, not letting them see reality as reality, um, trying to create a fantasy for them, well, that is going to damage them. They'll get over it. They'll adjust once they realize truth on their own. But, you know, maybe we can just start earlier and just uh, let them know truth earlier. There can't be anything wrong that comes with it because that's how the mankind has done it since the dawn of mankind. So, something to think about. <laughs> Let's go for a little bit of a break. Let's jump into the uh, Creature Feature segment right afterward with Metal Breakfast Radio. Metal Breakfast Radio. Hello, my name's Dave Ingram. And I'm Donovan. And we are Metal Breakfast Radio. Inviting you to join us with a few beers each week. For a dose of metal scrutiny. Some verbal skullduggery. And a hell of a lot of rubbish. Rubbish! Find us on metalbreakfastradio.com, darksentinel.dk, and radiofreesatan.com. Transmission brings you horror movie commentary like no other podcast. Listen in as your handsome hosts examine all of your current and soon-to-be favorites from the past. Tune in through iTunes or the show's official website, www.terrortransmission.com, where you can also find horror chat, on-site movie reviews, horror DVD release dates, and more. And don't forget to check out Terror Transmission on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, and Flickr. Terror Transmission, the greatest horror commentary podcast ever. down into Lambert's basement and join me, Dave Ingram and Eagle where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz only available on Radio Free Satan are different than cats and hey what if jack nicholson were hey what if we are the world was sung by the cast of friends i think it might go something like this hi everyone i'm jay leno anyone remember when i was funny eat doritos ladies and gentlemen dane cook are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before 
Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief. Carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers simply not made for the masses. The sky is dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush. Fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She is swamp water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I am on one of the last podcasts in Radio Free Satan Network. That's right, Metal Breakfast Radio. And I'm being joined today by none other than Dave Ingram and Donovan Spensley. How are you, gentlemen? We're excellent. We're very good. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Before we get to any questions, the most important thing I could ask right now, what are you drinking? Beer. I'm drinking, <laughs> I'm drinking Krabby's. Ginger ale, proper, with, brewed with alcohol in it like it should be. <laughs> nice. Not too shabby, drinking crabby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and any type of beer specifically, or just generic beer? Uh, it's it's kind of generic. It's cheap shit, but it's um it's a, a Harbo classic. Um, if you really want a good review of this, ask Mister Slesk. He had a bottle today. I gave him one. Nice. Over the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now that the beer situation is taken care of, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, this won't take long. I'm a 43-year-old guitar-grinding mother foe from Los Angeles, uh, American expatriate holding court in Copenhagen, the seagull's nest. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dave Ingram, former singer of Balthor Benediction, and, um, well, that's about it, really. <laughs> I think mo- mo- most people know me from that, so I, I-, I don't want to expand on uh, stuff people have already heard. So, How about we uh, talk about Metal Breakfast Radio, shall we? I mean, that is what I'm having on the show, after all. If you want to waste your time, then yeah, sure, let's go for it. <laughs> what inspired uh, Metal Breakfast Radio, if you can go back to the beginning? Wow. Uh, it was basically an excuse to gather. Uh, we'd all call in sick or basically uh, uh, put off things we had to do that day to another day to rather get together, uh, drink in the morning, and uh, yeah, be farther gone by nine in the morning than most people uh, yeah, get in a lifetime, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, myself and Donovan and our good friend, Mass Horlu, who's the guitarist, currently guitarist, uh, sorry, currently bass player with the band The Cleansing, but back then he was in uh, Iniquity, a very popular Danish death metal band. Nice. And we, we, the three of us would hang out and uh, we'd have uh, the, the typical continental breakfast of beer, of, uh, sorry, beer, no, uh, we, uh, bread and cheese. And we'd also bring beer and uh, spirits. And we'd also listen to music that we all liked. And we began calling it our metal breakfast. And this was back in 2000. Nice. And, and then uh, Mass sort of disappeared f- from our... He didn't disappear from our clique. He he just moved away and he started a family. 
Oh, we exiled him. Yeah, yeah, we exiled him. Yeah, yeah. no children. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we fucked blackballed him up. his ass. <laughs> and and then and me and Donovan, we we carried it on. And then in two thousand eight, we were thinking about was it two thousand eight or two thousand? No, two thousand eight. That's right. And and we decided, yeah, we we want to do this radio show. What do we call it? And Donovan said, well, Metal Breakfast Radio, because we'd been having the Metal Breakfast once a week since two thousand. So we thought, yeah, that'll do. And it's not a breakfast show. Most of the, the stations that syndicate us, they think, oh, it's a morning show. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> a, a breakfast show because it's called Metal Breakfast. No, rubbish. It's not. <laughs> if anything, you want to listen to it late at night with a, a skin full of ale inside you. <laughs> that, that's what we do. Well, i got to say, I, I was uh, in the military for a while stationed in Germany, and we would go off on our six to ten mile runs in the morning and we would see the local nationals, the Germans, drinking the entire time while they're sort of doing their early morning work schedules, like construction and stuff. So I guess, depending on the demographic, it could very well be a breakfast thing. Well, we always figure somewhere right now, it is breakfast time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, it doesn't matter what time it is, it's always breakfast somewhere <laughs> in the or something world. I miss from living in the States, being able to get breakfast any time of the day. Mm. Yeah. The freedom... <laughs> To do breakfast when you will. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no IHOP out there? <laughs> no, no, no IHOP. No. There's no hop. There's no hop. Yeah. We, 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 the, I think the closest we got is Subway, which is called... What the hell is it called over here? Shit. It's called Subway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it called Subway? I mean? Yeah. Oh, it, shit. It's something very European. Uh, they change it up a little bit. Uh, uh, Subway. S- Subway, yeah. <laughs> With the silent E and that little accent. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with Old English. And there's an umlaut on there somewhere as well. <laughs> nice. You've been doing this since 2000. You know, before we uh, get into sort of the nitty-gritty here, what's the format of your show? I mean, what's sort of the, the frame that you work around through Metal Breakfast Radio? Well, just to jump back, we haven't been doing the show since 2000. We've been holding a Metal Breakfast since gotcha. 2000. But 2008 was when, when the actual show started. Oh, wow. But, uh, so that's been yeah. percolating for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're just a pair of uh, uh, lushies, really. Uh, what inspired your podcast was your metal breakfasts mm-hmm. for nearly eight years. Um, yeah, that also inspired the name of your show. How did you decide on the format of your show? Well, that it actually that changed from the beginning. It started off as conventional radio, where uh, we talk a lot, we put some music on. Uh, everyone falls asleep on both sides of the microphone, <laughs> and then we wake up and we forgot what we hated about the music. So then after maybe a good 25, 30 episodes went by... Oh, I don't think it was that long. I think it was well, like... About, about, we took our time. We yeah, percolated on that also. Yeah, yeah. And then we found out that talking trash and hating things uh, in the moment saved us a lot of time to... Yeah, be angry about other things late. <laughs> yeah. So we we started uh, doing a s- sort of s- sports cast <laughs> done by Beavis and Butthead, uh, just speaking and saying what we feel while we're thinking it and uh, uh, co- complimenting the good and blowing up the bad. That was the other yeah. thing was the yeah. uh, extermination. Uh, yeah, getting getting the bad out as soon as we hated it. Also, you, you saying Beavis and Butthead, I, I, we, we were saying on a recent show, it's more Statler and Waldorf. Uh, you know, that's, that's actually two, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, those, those two yeah, grumpy old men from uh, the Muppets sitting in the booth, that's us. Nice. I always imagine they probably like had no pants on, too. They're, they're like sitting in their dirty old 
tidy whities just like causing all sorts of stank up there for the occasional waitress to come by and drop off their Either that never saw or it. they're like a half a mannequin sort of like Johnny Cab from that Total Recall <laughs> flick. They're just a talking head. They're, they're literally oh, also, just mounted onto the chair. Just a bitching head. Why do you think we don't have video chat enabled? Nice. That's, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> How do you get all of the content for your show? Because you guys, you cycle through a lot of music every episode. Well, I'll say one word, and it's a hideous word, and I hate to say it, MySpace. Gah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And thing is, uh, most recently, I've pretty much shut down the MySpace page because we've been getting so many friend requests from uh, rap bands, DJs who are just doing fucking rap. Yeah. Yeah. Tila Tequila. Yeah, yeah. Tila Tequila. She keeps sending us fucking friend requests. <laughs> uh, she's only like twenty years late, you know. <laughs> yeah, of She's uh, percolating. Yeah, she's good, yeah. <laughs> she was percolating on it. Uh, so we, we, we kind of closed it down. It's still open for, for bands. And I, 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 once a week, I'll go and check, and we'll have like 20 friend requests. And there'll be one, maybe two bands that I'll actually send information to saying, here we are, we're a radio show. And the rest of them just get thrown away. Uh, but uh, right now, we've got interactive listeners on uh, the Facebook page that we have. And they send us stuff that they'll uh, think, oh, I've just heard this new band. You might like them. Check them out. And we do that as well. So we get a lot of good input from the listeners. And that's awesome. That's really great. I fucking love that. Oh, yeah. yeah, having an active audience, I think, is, I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely. But the, the thing is, a lot of the, the stuff that the audience sent through is fucking horrible. <laughs> Some of it's good too. It's been surprising uh, to get turned on to bands. Uh, there's a lot of good music out there that nobody's heard of, yeah. and uh, in a way, sort of restore our lack of faith in in the modern music scene, where everyone's uh, making not very good music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, are, are you concerned about? Scaling back on on MySpace and not having that avenue anymore. Well, we have scaled back. Uh, the profile's still there. Mm-hmm. There should be a, a message on the blog that says we don't update it. I'm not going to be going on there and updating the whole thing. Blah blah blah. Uh, I, I just can't be doing with it. This whole new way it looks and yeah. the fact that it's supposedly just for music now. Uh, with with the amount of rap. Artists that are sending us requests—it's—it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I thought it was um, supposed to be music, right? Yeah, well, exactly. It's <laughs> mu- rap music. Is is music with a capital C? A rap with <laughs> a silent C <laughs> with umlauts. Yeah, yeah, that as well. Can I ask what were the bands that inspired you into the genres that you listened to, death metal and, and hardcore? Oh wow, Donovan first. Go go for it, mate. Back in oh. the day. Yeah, then we're going all the way back. I always like the more dirty, underproduced, uh, punk rock uh, inspired, low fi, no fi, uh, Neanderthal. <laughs> Extra thick thigh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, have you met my wife? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, she'll never hear this. <laughs> no, 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 she won't. No, she might, actually. So. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Yeah. Uh, inspired by sort of hardcore uh, becoming metal and then two uh, all sorts of other crazy influences in a short attention span it's kind of jumping around in music is like flicking the channels when they all suck yeah 
You just kind of surf to the next one. Yeah, it's like basic cable, absolutely. Yeah, like laying cable. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what bands? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need to be here. <laughs> Discharge, Coroner, uh, old old hardcore stuff. Uh, yeah, Waplush. Oh, uh, Whiplash. Uh, Chrome yeah. Eggs. And, and uh, how about you? And, and me, it was... Uh, uh, I started out with sort of Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, and then took the, the transition into the, the more punk stuff, Discharge, GBH, and then Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, Slayer, and yeah, it, it, uh, then I, I found out about tape trading, and I could get all the, the demo, the, the underground demo tapes, which um, I've listened back to right now, and uh, they're fucking horrible. And uh, <laughs> at the I, time, you loved them, right? I mean, it was new. Yeah, at the time, they were great, but listen now, oh dear. Um, and, and then I, I know. I suppose as I get older, um, my tastes have really changed. Like, I, I still like Jethro Tull. Always have. Always will. Still like Black Sabbath, of course. Oh yeah. Um, You're leading cool. up to Barbra Streisand, aren't you? No, no, <laughs> Queen of the Stone Age, was, I was going to say. Queen of the Stone Age, uh, big fan of that. Queen of the Stone Age, uh, Caius, that sort of thing. Caius is badass. Yeah, 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 really, really. Um, uh, uh, right now, I don't really have a favorite band because no one's released anything that I like. So, uh, besides, maybe there, there's that one one band that we're playing on the show soon called um, Septic Vagina or something like that. They're actually kind of fun. Uh, and that is sort of like the way it goes nowadays, isn't it? It's like you have a good song or a good part of a song, and the rest of the album is pure ass. Yeah. And so you can't really say, oh, I've got a favorite band, because you know they have this great catalog of, of music. It's like, oh, well, they had that one song, and that was it. Yeah. Maybe that's the way music has changed, though. Before it used to be bands make a few hits and lots of filler or... You know, hardcore bands that would need to exist for 20, 30 years and be together no matter what. Nowadays, it's also fast food disposable. Uh, everyone makes a hit, hates each other, breaks up. Uh, one's kicking each other out and, uh, yeah, uh, sleeping with each other. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. Yeah. So do you ever worry that, or, or has there ever been a show where you just sort of were dry in content? Where you just had to sort of just bullshit your way through it. Yeah, there was one where uh, we were going to try and not drink, and we bought a bunch of non-alcoholic beers, and uh, <laughs> we were falling asleep and having to pee all the time. You're just all serious looking at each other. This is not what we expected. <laughs> well, we, we had all sorts of non-alcoholic beer, and then with a little alcohol, because uh, we basically figured out that alcohol makes it taste good. <laughs> and it also makes you feel good. Yeah. It's like a win-win situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was the worst show ever. We were so wrapped up in the shitty beer that uh, yeah, yeah, can't remember if any yeah. music happened at all. No, no, it was rubbish. Yeah. Would you like your show to evolve at all? And you mentioned that it evolved in the beginning from a traditional radio show to more of uh, an evaluation show. I guess you could say uh, uh, a rubbish exterminate show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how you say. It, yeah. Would well, you like Would you like to evolve it in any other direction, or are you pretty happy with where you are right now? Well, the thing is, how it's evolved. It's evolved really slowly over the last three years, and that's down to both me and Donovan. How things change, how we are, and. If it does evolve anymore, it'll be just how we change. Um, it's going to be like that Ben Buttons movie that Brad Pitt was in where we're sort of unborn. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we're going to 
stick our heads so far up our own asses, we're gone. (laughs) (laughs) We won't know where you end or you begin. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be like the human centipede. Oh, no. But only an Ouroboros version. (laughs) Where Where can people find your show? Because... Every time I listen to it, and, and I have it usually on my podcast um, rather than just streaming on online, and it seems like there is I don't know 100 or 112 different places that you're sort of pimping out every every episode. So where where where's the best place for people to find your show? Right, if you take a look at uh, well, if you go to iTunes and search for Metal Breakfast Radio, we're on there. If you yeah. use iTunes, if you don't use iTunes and and you're stupid, then um, uh, you can directly download the, the show from darksentinel.dk. Uh, alternatively, check out metalbreakfastradio.com. Yeah, if you can't spell sentinel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, somebody doesn't know how to spell sentinel. I don't sit around cheating at Scrabble either. <laughs> nice. no, but, but, so, uh, yeah. So metalbreakfastradio.com, and there's links to everywhere on there. So, so what, what is Dark Sentinel? It sounds like uh, something lurking in the nightstand. <laughs> yeah. Some MILF's nightstand. Well, it's, it's basically a, it was a website that I set up for a production company that really never kicked off. But um, it's going to it, – it, it's – it's going to be upgraded pretty damn soon. As soon as I get the fucking time, because I don't expect more time. milf traffic at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, calling but all milfs, calling all milfs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> milf, milf on three. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's just to sort of showcase things that I'm into and um, things that I would support myself. Right. Such as, um, excuse I, pardon me, that was done. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but so, like Joel Gostin, his writing, I, I have a, a section for him on there. Um, the, the other podcast that I listen to, uh, Hate Speech Radio, for example. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I have little sections for that. So that that's what it's for. It's basically all, all me. Uh, me! Uh, <laughs> but, and not not so much Donovan, but... I'm going to be setting up a link for Donovan's uh, guitar shop, which is libriumguitars.dk, because he does uh, custom guitars, repairs, and uh, the cheapest price in Denmark. (laughs) That's something you can be proud of. (laughs) Um, What other podcasts have you been involved in? Well, Are uh, you involved in any others? Well, uh, myself, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, I do Lambert's Basement, which is also available on Radio Free Satan. Yeah. with myself and uh, Igor. He's not here right now, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, dude, that show, Big Band Swing and Jazz, which is one of my other loves of, uh, in the music area. Oh, yeah. Love that sort of music. Uh, I, I think, Donovan, we've both done um, a, a, a crossover shows with shows such as uh, Ye Old Metal Shop. That show doesn't exist anymore. Uh, also, a friend of ours called Grammy, um, a show called The Autopsy Report. We've done crossover shows. We've done um, stand-in shows for him when he's been away. I think a, a, a recent episode of Metal Breakfast Radio, Grammy's actually going to take over from us because we were both on vacation. Uh, I nice. did a, a stint on the Conti and Kenny show uh, just the once back in 2009. 
Yes, two thousand nine. Right after you started this. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll we'll continue to sort of branch out in our own little way uh, here and there, uh, just because we're a bunch of whores. <laughs> look at me! Look at me! <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Hey, just listen here. to me. Yeah. Look at us. Come on. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, Metal Breakfast Radio is syndicated by some eight different stations, hey. not, inclu- not including uh, Radio Free Satan. So uh, the, the show goes out around the world. Oh, okay, it's on the internet, so it's already around the world. But it, it goes out on all these different stations, usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with these guys, which is why I upload the, the podcast on a Saturday, so it doesn't sort of overlap anything else. Yeah, and so, uh, we're we're really pleased uh, about the the audience that we have. It's it, it's awesome. Oh uh, yeah. Have, have you noticed at, at any point was there like a sudden growth in your show that you noticed? Yes, but we had it lopped off. They can cure that. Now. <laughs> it was embarrassing. People kept staring. Uh, the, the sudden growth. I can tell you now. The very first show we ever did and put out on iTunes, nobody heard it because it was our first one. That's why we were making like three, four shows a week. Just to make a base of shows so that we could push it out to people and say, hey, listen to our rubbish. <laughs> and um, there's just no way that people were, were listening to that back when we first started. Yeah, we, we could have an audience of zero for the first one, at least two shows, except maybe our family. My brother probably <laughs> listened or, uh, you know. Maybe it, Donovan's brother as well, and that was it. But uh, yeah, the, the, the bloom came once we started getting uh, these radio stations syndicating us around the world. Uh, that it, it really took off, and right now we have about three thousand downloads via iTunes, and then the, the, with the rest of the other radio stations that we were on, also including Radio Free Satan, which is the, the biggest one actually. It's about 6,000. So 6,000 wow. people are listening to our crap every week. Uh, <laughs> haven't you got anything better to do? <laughs> Which proves there's something wrong with yeah. mankind. I'm one of those people that listen to your crap. So I, I, I think it's one not... of those ankle bracelets. Because most of our listeners are imprisoned. <laughs> nice. Lots of free time. Yeah. Well, how can people contact you about your show? Uh, they really don't want to. <laughs> Let's say well, they want to uh, uh, suggest music. Ah, then um, you can email us. Uh, it goes direct to me. It's uh, lapdog1 at mac.com. L-A-P-D-O-G number one at mac.com. That's the uh, email address for the show. And for all you listening out there right now, all two of you. Now Both of you. One of you. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's me and Donovan. And maybe yeah. my brother. Well, I was mean to my show. <laughs> you guys should absolutely check out Metal Breakfast Radio. It's one of those flagship podcasts that no matter what network they're on, it, it's always really entertaining. They're really, really funny. They have this fantastic back and forth with each other. And then the music, a lot of times sucks ass, but sometimes it's, you know, some, you find some gems and it's, you know, a lot of fun to do that, you know, through the comedy. So um, I got to say, I've been a fan for a long time and uh, I hope, you know, maybe the two people listening to my show will listen to yours too, if they aren't already. <laughs> so talking rubbish is, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. Before you go, I do want to talk about, uh, if we can, if we have some time. Yeah, yeah, love time. Don't worry. Uh, 
a couple words that you use all the time that are new to at least you know some American listeners, uh, maybe to some some other people, and we've heard it. And you know maybe you can just uh, give us a rundown. Um, let's call this the dictionary edition uh, for for nine cents and Metal Breakfast Radio. So how would you describe? Well, we like to, we, we like to actually call it something else. Yeah. Uh, um, so the, uh, uh, something uh, a book that has a, a list of words called a lexicon. Well, we'd like to call it the Metal Brexican. Nice. <laughs> so, All right, uh, so go, go ahead if you have some um, suggestions, because we, we've got loads. Rubbish. Define rubbish. Well, it, it, it's an English word for um, garbage, but it can mean um, crap, shit, bollocks, and um, something that is really horrible. It's like rhyming cockney for aloha. <laughs> that works as well. <laughs> nice. Okay, okay, okay. Bugger. Well, besides um, the obvious, um, which is uh, belts off, trousers down, isn't life as green? All right. Uh, <laughs> then, um, uh, well, you can say, uh, oh, bugger, which means, oh, sod it, or oh, crap, uh, oh, dear, or oh, uh, someone's just inserted something in my arse. <laughs> that kind of thing. Let's hope that doesn't happen often. <laughs> No, uh, well, welcome to Denmark. <laughs> okay, I, I actually read this one on uh, a little bit of a phrase on, on one of your show descriptions. Bag of ready salted. Ah, now, this. This is very English. <laughs> uh, this is when you say, um, it ain't all that and it, uh, it ain't all that and a bag of ready salted. Which means um, something is not very good. That's what it means. It's sort of a, a slang term. What is it referring to? Ready salted. Uh, crisps. Oh, okay. Uh, but not silent crisps. <laughs> noisy old school ones. Yeah, the noisy old school ones. Yeah. What about blimey? Ah, uh, oh, uh, it sort of means uh, gazooks. Good grief. <laughs> Odds okay. bodkins. That, uh, that's th- what blimey means. Oh. This one, uh, chuffed. Ah, uh, go on, Donovan. You, you, you do that one. Yeah, it's just, just pleased as punch, tickled. Yeah, tickled pink. Now, you ha- you're having your testicles filled. By an Albanian gypsy. That, that's what it means. I, I'm, I, I'm, I think for Albanian gypsies. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I've, I've, Czech gypsies are actually really gentle. Albanian, I've never had, so I'll have to check yeah. that out. The thing is, Albanian ones, they're, they're equally as gentle, but they steal everything. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Bucket of cobblers. Aha! That's Donovan's. No, I'm going to have to hand that back to you. <laughs> I, say, I say it a lot, but I don't claim to know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought it was some sort of rhyming slang for Cod's wallop. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, that's what it is. A, a, a rhyming slang for, uh, well, rubbish, actually. Chin chin. Oh, that's a, a sort of a cheers, um, uh, skull, prost. Aloha. Or, yeah, um, uh, cheers as in like a, a round of drinks. Everyone clinks glasses, chin chin. Oh, yeah. And the last one that I've got is knees up. Uh, that's a party. A party? Uh, have, uh, to have a party is to have a knees up. Nice. Uh, I thought it was uh, another one of those prison things. So you inevitably no. wind up on face uh, up on your back uh, without a pulse, assumed <laughs> room temperature. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. So do you got any that you want to throw out? Uh, well, there's, the, the, there's the, 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 the usual ones that we use on the show, which is um, um, flong, F-L-O-N-G, flong, which means fucking long. <laughs> and that's usually used with uh, when a, a band 
have a very long intro. To, you're drinking water. Stop it. <laughs> I ran and out that, of my beer. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's when uh, a band uses a, a very long intro, which we say is a, a very um, windy intro, which we call a wintro. So we say a flong <laughs> wintro. Yeah, so it's a <laughs> fucking long, long windy <laughs> intro. Yeah. Nice. Hate those. Yeah, we fucking hate them. <laughs> what's the what's the perfect length of an intro in your opinion? Uh, there isn't one. You don't have one. Just start the song. Get it on with straight away. Yeah, or make it its own track so we can delete it. Yeah, without having <laughs> so it's easier to the MP3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't even have to play it on the show. We can just say, okay, that's an intro. Fuck it off. That's the 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 rough thing about today in this age of sort of uh, yeah free media and and. Uh, trading and no physical products that uh, there's nothing to destroy how you can't even make the world a better place by ruining a cd anymore no cds what the hell's a cd <laughs> I them for years you use them in place of beer mats yeah <laughs> i thought it was a reflector to hang from your uh, rearview mirror or something yeah it's basically a cop magnet if you're having problems getting pulled over for all the, the stickers on the back of your truck <laughs> you can always hang a couple of those <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly you got something to talk about. Good <laughs> point. So do you have any others? Oh, like nice fade. Oh yes, yeah, of course. When a song um, either cuts off really quickly or it slowly fades out, we call it a nice fade, which we say nade. Yes. But um, it, it's a very English thing to shorten uh, <laughs> bullshit. So um, there, there's nade, and there's obviously a, a outro, which you can obviously tell yourself when it's a, a long fade out. So it's a, a windy outro, outro. Yeah. Uh, pardon I, that was uh, me again. Uh, apologies, sorry. <laughs> that was a uh, pleasant beer. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, this this beer is great. It's cheap as hell, and it tastes so good. Uh, what, what the hell else do we have on the Brexican? I should have. Uh, I, I should really bring it up on the screen, but uh, yeah. no. Uh, what else do we use on the show? Nade? No. No. Uh, well, we just use the word rubbish a hell of a lot. Yeah, we do. Really. Do you guys do, you do your own sound drops? Like, where did that exterminate come from? Um, ever heard of a show called Doctor Who? Indeed. Yeah, from that. Let uh, me I, ask you something I, about I, this. We probably because... shouldn't go into that too much because um, I'm quite a huge fan of that show. So, um, uh, which is pretty obvious listening yeah. to both the shows that I do on Radio Free Satan. Uh, but um, yeah, a lot of the other sound drops that come through, it's listening to uh, audiobooks, Doctor Who stuff. And I just take what they say completely out of context yeah. and drop it in the show. And where I drop it in, it's, yeah, it, it, it sounds funny, but on its own, it doesn't. But where, where we've, we've said something and it's where it's related to us, then um, yeah, it, it works. Uh, so, do you it, add all those in live, or do you edit that in post? Oh, that's in post. Nice. There's no way I could do that live. <laughs> yeah, you just like have like eighteen buttons all in front of you. That you just like oh 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 oh. Look like Liberace. Eighteen? Are you kidding me? A hundred and eighteen. That's closer to it, yeah. Uh, well, again, you know what? Thank you so much for joining me. I've had actually a lot of fun doing this. Uh, I hope sometime uh, in the future we could maybe talk about some of the other projects that you have, um, specifically like Lambert's Basement or something like that, or Donovan. If you ever want to talk about Librium guitars again, and I can't even fucking talk anymore, uh, then you know I'd love to have you on the show to talk specifically to that. 
Um, Somebody contact Gisby. Yeah. This is only I'm, I'm a home brewer, and so and this is my German Weiss Weiss, and it's actually not very good tasting at all, but it does the job. You know, uh, kind of uh, like that giant white asparagus that they have. I mean, <laughs> if you if you're fucking hungry, then it's great. You need a you need a weapon to bludgeon somebody. <laughs> It doubles. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I bought for. Is there anything you want to pimp out before we uh, close this down? LibriumGuitars.dk LibriumGuitars.dk Go check it out. Buy a fracking guitar. Yeah. And don't talk smack about Doctor Who when you're doing it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've met your hands too. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, until next time, hell Satan. Hell Satan. That's going to be it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to have to skip out on the Bizarre Bizarre this week because we're running a bit over here. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Visit the website, 9centspodcast.com, and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Undercroft Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, or now I'm even on Google+, Plus for 9 cents, and get updated on weekly topics. You can also listen to the show through Radio Free Satan, or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com, or subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents. And don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. If you'd like to meet other Satanists, visit undercroft at satannet.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine Satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit Radio Free Satan, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, Hail Satan.